You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. It is good to be in God's house. Amen. Let me just hear one more, one more shout of praise from somebody this morning. Amen. Let me hear you. I love it when God just shows up, man, and, and he always is here, and I know that, and God's always working and doing things, and, but I, 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 again, you, you probably hear me say this a lot, I think there's something special about us deciding to get up on Sunday morning and to get out of our normal routine, and there's a lot of other things that I get that we could be doing today, but I think God honors it when you come here, and I think being around people that, that love you and support you and are going through the same things that you're going through. And, and yeah, you can study God's Word and you can pray and you can experience Him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Come on, amen. But there's just something special about us making the decision to be here on Sunday morning. So we're glad that you're here. Um, my name is Matt and I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage. And if today is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. We hope that more than anything that you walk away from your experience today knowing that you've encountered God. Uh, it doesn't matter if you remember my name or if you remember the songs that we sang or if you remember anything else, but you just know that number one, God loves you and loves you so much he sent Jesus to die for you and that he wants a relationship with you. He wants more than just for you to go to church. He wants to know you personally and intimately, and he wants to walk with you every single day of your life. And we're a place, you know, this is a place where um, I think that we are real and authentic, and this is the most amazing group of people, but we're flawed just like everybody else, and we want to love you through life. But if you, this is your first time, please stop by the White Connections tent. Um, we had somebody ask one time, what's the White Connections tent? It's the White tent. Uh, out on the sidewalk as you come in. Um, if you can't find it, uh, find one of our hosting volunteers. They'll have on some shirts or some lanyards or something and just grab them and say, hey, I'm new. And they would love to just talk to you, get to know you a little bit. And we have just a, a little gift, just a token of our appreciation to say thank you for worshiping with us today. We're not going to show up at your house or anything like that. We just want to answer any questions that you might have and make sure that you're, if you're looking for a church home, that this maybe will become it. Uh, there's a lot going on around our church right now, like always. Um, you can stay up to date to that. Um, let me encourage you, if you have not downloaded the Vintage Church app, that is the best tool for you to stay up to date about what's happening on our church. You can set up to get push notifications about prayer gatherings and events happening around our church and opportunities to serve our community. And from there, you can, you can stream past messages. Maybe you're just showing up at Vintage and, and you're kind of trying to still figure out who we are and what we're about. Um, the last several months of teaching seri series that we've been doing here on Sunday mornings, you can stream directly from that app and you can kind of get a window in what God's been doing in and around our church, find out about events like what's happening in our children's ministry and our student ministries and, and all the things that are happening. Uh, if you are new, we do something here called Vintage 101 and it is what you think it is. It's a seminar where you can learn all about our church, like what we believe, how we're structured as far as our leadership works, why we do church the way that we do church, because it may be a little bit different than anything you've experienced, but I, I promise you there's intentionality behind that. We typically do that the first Wednesday of every month, um, but because I was in Haiti on the first Wednesday, and this past Wednesday was my beautiful wife's birthday. Can you give a shout out to my wife? It was her birthday Wednesday. And I just wanted to be with her instead of with y'all, okay? Um, so we've actually moved it to this Wednesday night. It's this Wednesday night in our office across the street at 6.30. We would love for you to sign up because that just helps us prepare, make sure we have enough books and that kind of stuff. You can do that, I think, through the app. You can do it through our website. Um, but if you're looking for more information about our church, that is the best way to get to know our church. 
Um, there is a lot going on, so just keep up with that. Um, and also, if you know, we just got back from Haiti. Would you just pray with me if, about this? Like, I'm fit, we usually do a trip every other year, but I think maybe God's calling us to, to not wait and skip a year. Uh, and so we may be offering another trip sometime in 2018. So, yeah. It's going to be cool. So just pray with me as God just moves on us. And that. But today we are finishing up a series that we are calling This, Not That. And the very first week of this, I kind of asked you a question. Has your mouth ever got you in trouble? Amen, somebody, right? Um, like there's been times, but most often, can we agree, there's times when our mouth gets us in trouble, but we really didn't mean for it to. Um, we've all said something, and have you ever been misquoted? Or, or maybe something that you said, somebody just overheard it and they kind of took it out of context. And, and you know, words can be m manipulated and misunderstood and that kind of stuff. Well, well, nobody knows that more than God. God may be the most misquoted, misunderstood thing and person being in all the world, right? I mean, there's so many, and you know what, and this is what I believe. If, if you're here today and, and maybe you're still, you're not sure about this whole God thing. Like, your view of God is still kind of warped for a lot of different reasons. And can I just say, if, if you don't love God, then you, you've misunderstood who he really is. I thought that would get a few bit more better, you know, uh, uh, some more. If, if, you don't, if you don't love God, if you don't desire a relationship with God, I would submit to you, it's because somewhere along the way, by some maybe well-intentioned people or, or because of the people that claim to know God, represented God in a really, really bad way, because when you really understand who God is, and what he wants for you and from you, you'll fall in love with him. You will. Uh, and, and if, you, and if you, you, you don't believe that, it's because somewhere along the way you've misunderstood God because maybe he's been misquoted or misrepresented in your life. But when you really begin to know who he is and understand what he's about, you can't help but fall in love with him and desire to want and, and, and need more of him. And one of the biggest mistakes we've made throughout history as a culture is we've taken specific things in God's word. And we, we believe in, in God's word from, 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 content, from table contents to maps, from Genesis to Revelation. Like we believe that God's word is powerful and teaches us things and it's useful and it's relevant to our lives. But there's often times when we take a passage of scripture out of context or we've heard maybe, again, a well-intentioned preacher preach something about a certain passage and kind of manipulate it a little bit, and, and we've misunderstood it. And so what we've been doing in this series is taking some of the ones that I think are the most popular ones that we've kind of gotten wrong over history. Um, and what I'm trying to say is, like, this is what God meant by that. It's this. This is what God was trying to communicate to us, not that thing that somehow we've taken and turned it into. And there's so many passages of Scripture like that. Week one, we talked about where Jesus said, judge not or you will be judged. And how we've kind of turned that into, uh, you can't judge me. Right? Like, that's, that's the way we feel. And I get what we're saying that because nobody likes to be judged. But what we've turned that into is somehow we believe that we can never speak correction into people's lives. Like, that we can just sit back and watch people participate in things and get caught up in things that we know are dangerous and destructive and against God's best. And we have no right to say anything. That we just have to sit back and be quiet and we can never speak accountability and correction into people's lives. And we walk through several passages of Scripture that kind of blow that out of the water. That Jesus did not mean that we're, we can never speak correction into people's lives. And th there's a time. That if we love people, we have the right and the responsibility to speak into their lives. Amen? In a way that's powerful. And, and it's all about the position from which 
we're speaking. Then week two, um, uh, one of our other pastors, Casey Harris, brought an awesome message talking about this, this thing that we think, God will never give me more than I can handle. <laughs> we know how big of a joke that is. Come on, everybody. If you're older than about seven, God's given you more than you can handle at some point in your life. We often go through more, but God will never give you more than he can handle. But there will be times when we have to be dependent on him and trust him. And then last week, um, we didn't really expect to teach what we taught on because uh, God just kind of flipped the script, and he showed up. And last Sunday was just powerful. And, and it really, it turned into a this, not that. There's times when we read um, passages like Jeremiah 29, 11, where, where, where God said, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in a future, plan to prosper you and not harm you. And somehow, especially American culture, has turned that into my life is supposed to be always convenient and comfortable. And that we are supposed to do everything to avoid inconvenience and be comfortable. And how what the problem is we end up exchanging convenience and comfort for compassion and calling. And that God's best for your life. And when he talks about prospering you, it doesn't mean that you're going to always be in convenient circumstances. And you're always going to be comfortable. Well today I'm actually going to teach the message that, that I had I'd planned to teach last Sunday. Because I think it's one that we need to hear. Because we've, we've read passages like the ones I'm going to read for, to you, and, and we've turned them into something that they're not. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. This is one you've heard. If you've been in church ever, if, if, you've, if you don't have any church experience, somewhere along the way, you have heard this passage. Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Say amen, you heard that passage. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And like that's a reality, and, and we've said that at this church, Welcome to Venice Church, remember, where everybody is as messed up as you are. Like we're all sinners, I get that. But then we also kind of combine it maybe with scriptures like this, remember this, when, when Jesus was, was, somebody came to Jesus and, and they said, good teacher. And Jesus responded like this in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So we're all sinners and God is good. And see, that, that's kind of become our church experience. Like for some of us, that's the jumping off point of our theology. God is good and you are bad. Right? Like that's it. That's the, that's the, and, and you know what? So most of us, that was, that was our church experience. That was every Sunday. God's good, I'm terrible. God is holy and I'm evil. And like that kind of became kind of the, the, the movement of Christianity for a really, really long time, right, is, is like the, the number one thing that we have to do as believers is get them to, get people who are lost to realize you're a dirty sinner. That's what you are. And every time you look in the mirror, you need to remember you're a dirty, dirty sinner. And God is good. And because he's so good and he's so great and he's so holy, you got to remember that you're nasty, dirty, messed up, and you're broken. And like that's why we, we invented church to remind people every Sunday how jacked up and dirty and messed up they are. And if you leave church thinking about good about yourself, then you didn't really have church. Like you were supposed to leave church thinking, God's good and I'm terrible. And I'm probably going to do something terrible this week. And he's probably going to strike me dead. He's just waiting with a bolt of light and said, you mess up one time, boy, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> like, really, that's kind of how we view, come on, anybody with me? Like, that is so much of how we grew up. And that was so much of our church experience. 
and maybe even from people that were older than us and that loved us. And you know what? So, so and, and we even tried to maybe create church to, to, to make us a little bit better. So you need to show up at Sunday and make sure, you know what, you, you had your nicest set of clothes on. And you were all prim and proper. Because you're bad and God is good. And so you need to start fixing everything. And it's almost like at this point, like if, if, if you ever thought any different, if you ever believed, well, you know what, um, maybe it's not quite that way, or, or, or you know, but, but, but God changed me, right? Like, I'm, I'm not that thing anymore. And the moment you, you stop thinking that you're bad and God is good, you're arrogant and prideful, and now you're even worse. And so what that has led to is this mentality of, oh, oh, I sin every day. Some of us, we've said that. But can I just submit to you that like, it's that theology and that way of thinking that's gotten us comfortable with our own sin. Like, I'm bad. I'm always going to be bad. I've, I've done this thing for 20 years. I've had this habit. I've participated in this sin. I've never been able to get it right for more than about a week. And so it's just who I'm gonna, always going to be. That's just because I'm bad and God is good. And so this sin that's going to be in my life, it's just going to exist forever. So I'm going to keep being a jerk at work. And I'm going to keep looking at porn. And I'm going to keep doing this addiction. Because you know what? I'm, I'm bad. That's just who I am. I'm not going to change now. I've been this way for years. And can I just say that I believe that's against everything that New Testament teaches. That I believe that flies in the face of what Jesus really came to do and can do in our lives. And that, yeah, yeah, God is good. And apart from him, we are bad. But when we accept Jesus, because of who he is, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is ma now made available to us in our everyday lives, that this mentality of who we are as bad and God is good, it needs to change. And I would even say to you that in Christ, sin is not something that has to continue to exist in your life. No, wait a minute, Matt. Uh-uh, that's not true. I'm bad. He's good. I've been told that my whole life. Hell, fire, brimstone, glory to God, hallelujah, boom. Oh, I sin every day. But can I get you to wrestle with some scripture that I believe flies in the face of that thinking? Let's just start with Jesus. How about that? Remember that story where Jesus, this woman caught in adultery, comes, comes and, and, and these guys are ready to stone her because it was punishable by death. And so they just happen to run into Jesus, and they're trying to think, Jesus, she's an adulterer. She's a dirty woman. She's bad. God's good. You know, because she's so bad, she even deserves to die. You remember this story? And remember, Jesus begins to bend down and write in the sand. And there's always been speculation as what was Jesus writing? I think it was awesome if he just started listing the sins of all the other people around them. But yeah, that one's you, boy. Fred, it's you, Fred. Billy, yep, you're, you've been doing this for a long time. But remember what he said, like basically he said, and then he says, you are without sin, cast the first stone. And then this kind of happens. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. But I want you to look at what Jesus said next. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. 
He doesn't say, that's good. You're an evil woman. You're probably going to keep doing this. We'll see you in a few years. What does he say? He says, no. Go and leave your life of sin. That you know what? Yeah, they didn't condemn you, and that's awesome. But yeah, you know you're caught up in things that are not healthy for you. You know you're caught up in things that are destroying your life. And you know what? What I'm going to encourage you to do is stop doing those things. Now, I just believe that if Jesus is going to tell us to do something, then he's going to give us the power to do it. I think when he said, go leave your life of sin, it's because Jesus knew that he could empower her to walk away from those things. You with me? Say amen. Go and leave your life of sin. Let's keep reading. What about 1 John chapter 3? Pick up with verse 4. It says, everyone who sins break the law, breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Then listen to verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Anybody else that's tough to wrestle with? John's saying, hey, if you know Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, if you've allowed his sacrifice to bring you forgiveness and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your life, those things that you used to do and that person that you used to be, they are no more. And if you're continuing to fall into these same things and these same traps and allowing these same temptations to get you, then you've got to understand maybe there's a disconnect somewhere in your relationship with God. That you're doing these things not because you have to, but because you choose to. Not because Jesus isn't victorious enough in you to overcome them, but because you're allowing those things to continue in your life. The victory can be yours. How about this? How about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26? If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume enemies of God. See, I would submit to you that like all throughout the New Testament, and I could go after passage after passage after passage, that yes, you know what? Who you were is bad, and who God is, is good. But that moment, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that moment you acknowledge those sins, those things that you know you've done that are contrary to God's will and God's way, and you confess those to God, and made the decision to turn from those things to Him, and allow the Holy Spirit to now be the driving force in your life, not emotion and lust and all the other things that used to drive your life, then you can live victorious over those sins. That those things don't have to continue to haunt you and be there in your life. Yeah, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But those who are in Christ can live victorious. And see, there's so many people that are experiencing so many bad, difficult things in your life, and their result from that mentality that you've settled in is, this is just who I am. This is just who I'm going to always be. These things, I'm never going to be able to shake them. They're always going to be a part of my life. I'm never going to be overcome. And I'm just going to say to you right now, it doesn't have to be that way. Because right now, if I would ask you, are you who you were? Are you who you used to be? Did Christ change you? Can we all agree that Christ is supposed to change us? Amen? Well, if you're not who you used to be, then why are you still acting like him? You're still who you used to be if you're continuing to, continuing to act and think 
like who you used to be. And what I'm going to invite you today to do, maybe for the first time ever, is to be who you are. I want to give you permission to be who you are in Christ. To be that, that new creature that he's made. And there's just a, a few things that I want to remind you of. First thing is this. Sinner is what you were. It is not who you are. Come on. That's good. See, there's a lot of people, you know, we want to think that, that okay, Jesus has changed our lives and we've, we've experienced this salvation. And you know what? We still, you still look in the mirror and you still see a sinner. Can I just submit to you? That's not what Jesus sees. That you look in the mirror and you see who you were when you were 18 or when you were 19 or who you were maybe two months ago. You look and, and the sum total of your life is made up in these decisions and these behaviors and these things that you used to do. And so you're, you're in Christ. You've accepted Jesus. You've put your faith in him. But you're still looking at yourself and thinking of yourself as a sinner, as, as who you used to be. And now there's some people that are already pushing back because maybe you grew up in a different way. Like, no, no, no. We are sinners from the day we're born to the day we die. Well, then how do we wrestle with stuff like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the what? The what? The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Doesn't that just scream to us? Sinner is who we were. It is not who we are. Sinner is who you were before you met Jesus. Addict is who you were before you met Jesus. Whatever label it is that, that you're continuing to carry that's in your BC days before Christ. We all got BC days, right? That's not who you are. And some really cool, dramatic things can change in your life when you stop seeing yourself as who you were. And start allowing you to see yourself as who you are. And I know somewhere along the way, like, because especially if you grew up in church, like, you're not comfortable with that. No, 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 Matt. Like, I'm bad. God's good. I'm bad. God's good. I'm bad. God's good. I'm bad. God's good. God's good. And he's put something in you. And when Jesus takes up root in your life, then even though you were bad, now the most holy thing ever lives inside of you. And it has the power to transform everything. Jesus, the, you know, so we, we, I think we look at scriptures like that and we kind of think that's true, but like our, our, our shame of who we were and never allows us to fully believe it. Or this is what happens. We got saved somewhere down the road, even after our salvation experience, we messed up and somebody said, I told you you were bad. You're always going to be bad. And you know what? The, the devil's greatest tool is to remind you of what was. Come on. And he'll use people to do it. Especially family. Right? It's like, fa your sister cannot remember where her keys are, but she remembers everything you did when you were a stupid little kid. Right? You got those friends, they can't remember what day it is, but they can remember every dumb thing you ever did. And they love to remind you of it. 
See, this is not the only place in Scripture where this says this. It says it all throughout the New Testament. Again, like Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Sinner is who you were. It's not who you are. If you've had that moment when you've confessed your sin and given it to Jesus and allowed him to change your life and take up root in your spirit, you're new, you're different. The second thing I want, I want you to, to understand is in Christ, sin is always a choice. Sin is not something that you have to do. It's something that you choose to do. Come on. It's always a choice. In Christ, when Christ is in you and you're living for him, the first thing you need to know is you're going to be tempted to the day you die. See, sometimes we get confused, t- sin and temptation. You are all, and sometimes you even convince yourself, well, if I was as mature a believer as I'm supposed to be at this point, if I was reading my Bible like I'm supposed to be, if I was going to church enough, then you know what? I wouldn't wake up and have the desire to do these things. I wouldn't find myself having these feelings anymore. Can I just say to you, that's always going to be there. Those temptations and those desires, they're not going to go away. There's times, you know what, there's certain things in my lives, and you've heard me say this, like I think we all have a spiritual kryptonite. Like the devil knows that one thing is going to get you. Come on. I mean, like it's like when you're on a diet, there's certain things you can't like avoid because they're just too good. And there's certain things in life that you know what, that they're just, they're, and they're going to, w- it may be one thing for you, and it's a different for There's some people that will never struggle with drugs and alcohol, and there's people in the room that it will be a battle to the day you die. There's people in this room that have never struggled with pornography and lust, but there's people that you will struggle with it to the day you die. There's some people that, like, you, you, you're just honest to a fault. You, I mean, even when you're supposed to lie to your wife, when she says, does this make my, me look fat, you know? You, 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 you just got, you can even lie then. I mean, it's, there's all those things, Right? Temptation is always going to be a part of it, but sin is a choice. Like, the devil made you do it? No, he didn't. The only, the only power the devil has is the power of suggestion. We give him way too much credit. Come on. He can't make you do anything. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Like James is saying, like, here's how it happens. Basically, there's something that comes along, and you begin to want it and desire it. And what happens is you be eventually, because you desire it so much, you desire it more than you desire God. You desire that thing, that sin, that, that result, that feeling, that pleasure. You desire it more than you desire God, so you choose it. Sin is always a choice. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except, that, except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Check this out. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Is it, is it just me or is it God saying, yeah, like you're going to be tempted. You're going to struggle with temptation. But every single time, God's going to give you a way out. He's going to give you the strength to overcome it if you will allow him. And that thing that has caused you to fall and mess up your life over and over again, like you don't have to keep doing it. You don't have to keep doing it. 
Temptation will always be real, but in Christ, sin is always a choice. It is not something that's a mandate in your life. So that thing, well, did it again. I just keep on doing it. It's just just who I am. It's just who I'm going to always be. I'm always going to struggle with that. Yeah, you're always going to struggle with that temptation. But you don't always have to give in. That's a choice that you make. The final, or, or, or the next thing is this. A battle plan for temptation is the key to victory over sin. The bat- a battle plan for temptation is the key to victory over sin. Like we need a battle plan. We need to be ready. We need to understand that like you're in a spiritual war. And that you know what? Once, once, you, once you give your heart to Christ and, and, and God has a hold of you, what Satan really wants to do more than anything is just steal your influence. Like once God has you, what he wants to do is that God never uses you to, to, to bring anybody else to him. And so those temptations and those sins are to rob you of joy, to rob you of influence, to rob you of all the things that will make you effective for God's glory. And those temptations that you're, that you're dealing with, you're going to keep falling into them. They're going to keep getting the best of you if you're not willing to build a battle plan to deal with those things. And that means, you know what, if you're struggling with temptations in your life right now, there may be some really drastic measures that you need to take in your life to deal with that temptation. I know you've heard me say that, but like some of the things that we put ourselves, some of the positions we put ourselves in, they just make no sense. If you're struggling with, with alcoholism, why would you go hang out in a bar? If you're in here and maybe you're, you're in a dating relationship and you're struggling with staying in purity, why are you going to put yourself in a position where you're home by yourself and nobody's going to be there for hours? If you struggle with just constantly being jealous of what other people have, then maybe you need to delete Facebook from your phone. If pornography is an issue from you, for you, then maybe you need to actually not be on the internet when other people are not around. Matt, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. A battle plan. Those temptations, if you keep doing the same things you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results you've always gotten. And a battle plan for temptation is the key to victory over sin. James chapter 4, verse 7, 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Do you notice that word? Resist the devil. Do you just hear the action in that? It doesn't say ignore the devil. It says resist him. Like actively do what you can do to push him away and keep him at bay because he's going to keep messing with you and if you keep allowing yourselves to go into the same places and put yourself in the same positions that you know time after time are situations when sin has got you and you know what I believe even right now as I'm speaking there are things coming to people's minds like yep I know my I know my spot come on I know my place that every time I give in and that temptation gets me, pretty much the circumstances around that temptation getting me are about the same every time. Here's a, just a reminder. Stop doing it. Stop going there. Stop putting yourself in that position. Stop allowing yourself to be a victim of temptation when you can be a victor because of who Jesus is in your life. If you're just willing to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. A battle plan for temptation is the key to victory over sin. Proverbs, written by a pretty smart, wise guy. Chapter 4, verse 14. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil do- doers. Listen to this. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. In other words, he's saying, stop putting yourself in a position. Stop playing with fire. And see, here's what you're thinking. But no, nah, Matt, like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I got this thing. It's been three weeks. It's been three months. It's been three years. I'm strong enough now. I've been coming to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been, I got the Bible app, and I read the verse of the day every morning. I'm good. Scripture warns us several times that, yeah, there's a holy confidence, and then there's just a worldly arrogance. Where are you, where are you putting yourself where you're allowing temptation to be stronger than it has to be? Last thing that you need to know is the spirit in you is greater than the temptation around you. The spirit in you is greater than the temptation around you. See, when you say, oh, I just sin every day. Oh, I'm just going to always struggle with this. What you're doing is you're looking at God and saying, your Holy Spirit's not good enough. Your Holy Spirit's not powerful enough. You in me is not good enough. When God has constantly reminded us of the exact opposite of that fact. I love the book of Romans. I love Romans chapter 8. Like if you just want to wake up every day and start your day off right, just get up, go to Romans chapter 8, read the entire chapter every single day of your life. Maybe read it like seven times every day. Uh, read it in the morning, read it at breakfast, re- just, just read it all the time. Romans chapter 8. So those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor does it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, do you see the change? Do you see the transition? Like those people who are BC, those people outside of Christ, those people who don't have the Holy Spirit, those people who don't know Jesus, those people who are living outside of a relationship with him, like their flesh is in control. And they're going to keep being who they used to be and doing the things they used to do. And and they're just going to keep in this endless cycle. But then in verse 9, he changed it. But you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. A sinner is who you were. It's not who you are. 
If you believe you're a new creation, a new creature in Him, it's time to start thinking and acting like one. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I want to address a couple people in the room. There are probably some people in the room like you, you're still BC. <laughs> like you've never given your heart to Christ and you're wondering why you're doing the things that you're doing and you're wondering why the decisions you keep making are not producing in your life what you hoped. Step one is just giving your heart to Jesus. And that doesn't mean that tomorrow you're not going to have a slip up and next week you're not going to maybe oh, things get the best of you. But let me tell you something. Giving your heart to Jesus is step one. Or maybe there's some people in the room that somewhere along the way you met Jesus, but you're still thinking like a sinner, and so you're still acting like a sinner. And before you can have confidence in who you are, you've got to have conviction to change to stop using it as a crutch, to keep involved in the same behaviors and the same patterns and the same things. Let Christ really make a difference in your life more than just someone that you worship, but someone you walk with, and someone who is intimately into your life, and someone who's driving your decisions and your behavior and, and every corner of your life is saturated with the Spirit. Spirit in you. Is greater than the temptation around you. He has the power to take the mess you've created and build something more beautiful than you can ever understand. I'm going to invite some of our pastors and elders to kind of spread out around the room. There's going to be people all around the perimeter of this room to pray for you, to speak into your life. In just a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And whatever God is doing in your life, maybe you need to come and kneel around the altar and just pray and seek some forgiveness or seek some power and some energy from His Spirit to get you through this, over this hump. Or maybe you just need to go talk to somebody to confess something to them, to speak into their lives, to allow you, you just to have a moment to let somebody love on you and pray with you and pray for you. So you met the light of life, but you're not living until you allow His Spirit to really do in you all that He can do. Father God, I pray that as we worship you now, as we sing your praises, that Lord, you would do work in this room. God, now is the most crucial moment of the morning. It's not time to be thinking about how we're going to get out of here and what we have to do this afternoon. God, this is the time to do work. And so, God, I pray that you would give everybody in this room the courage to respond however you're leading today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us this morning, church? Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.